0: The Epistle of Third John. John wrote these three epistles. He wrote the book of Revelation, and I want to look at the, the entire book, just one chapter, just 14 verses of Third John here. This evening. John is writing, he says, the elder unto well beloved Gaius, whom I loved in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And these aren't John's physical children. These are those that John maybe as one to Christ, those that look to John as a father figure in the faith. And John is writing, and Gaius Gaius is one of these men that that John has mentored and loved. He says, Beloved, thou dost faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, who if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort thou shalt do well. Because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. The purpose of this letter was... To commend Gaius. Gaius is the one here in the verse first verse that we find John writing to. It's to commend him for his hospitality. Gaius was a man that that was encouraging to, to uh, those that would come and visit. Now, in those days, there may be missionaries or preachers that would visit from church to church or house to house, and, and Gaius was one of those men that would receive those men, encourage those men, and, and help those men on their journey. And Gaius was one that was given to hospitality. He'd open his home. He's one that welcomed leaders in the church into um, uh, what he had had, and anything that God had blessed Gaius with, Gaius was willing to use what he had to be a help to other Christians, whether they were brethren that he knew or whether they were strangers. But they were traveled here from church to church, and men like Gaius were there to help. By special invitation or with maybe a surprise knock on the door, you know, Thinking about this, that those that are given to hospitality, when someone arrives at your home, they promise that they're going to leave with floors that are dirty, they're going to maybe stay for a period of time, there's going to be laundry to do, there's going to be dishes to do, there's going to be schedules that were altered, there's going to be personal expenses that you uh, put out, there's going to be inconveniences in your life. When someone is given to hospitality, they're given to whatever they have they're going to help somebody else with. If you ever had company over your house, when they left, you looked in the kitchen, there was a pile of dishes. Your wife looks at you, you look at your wife, and you're thankful you have kids. Uh, going to bed, and they're doing the dishes. Yeah. You look at, you know, you clean up, expecting someone to come. And then when they leave, there's cleanup to do after they leave. Right? You... If you're like my wife, she, she wants to make sure even the vacuum lines all go in the same direction. Is my wife the only one like that, ladies? Any other ladies like that? After she vacuums, you're not allowed to walk on the floor. My kids are shaking their heads. They're like, yeah. We have to hover somehow. We hover. We got on each other's shoulders, and we take big leaps across the floor. Because once she vacuums, you cannot mess up those vacuum lines. Because company's coming. We, um, we ate lunch today, and uh, we my, looked on the table, and there was the fine china. They were styrofoam plates, plastic forks, and what we needed required a knife. And I said, can I have a knife? And one of my kids went, and they took a bag of plastic knives. They said, well, one of these do, Dad. Now, I tell you, that wouldn't fly if we were having company. My wife would take the, the dishes that we only use when company comes. She'd make sure that all the forks match and all the all the knives match because she wants to give a good impression or or really show hospitality when somebody comes. She goes through and lights candles in every room, and uh, it's like we live in a place we're not allowed to live in. Company's coming. Now, Gaius was one of those men, and I'm sure his wife, those in his home. He was given to being a blessing to people. His home was always open. He was hospitable. He would share the blessings that he had. You know, from sharing a meal to providing a bed, hospitality, it takes time and it takes money. You know, the reality is this. You don't have to have nice things to show hospitality to someone. You don't have to have a big house. You don't have to have expensive things. Hospitality is something that comes from the heart. It's not about material things. It's about opening up what you have and letting God use you to be a blessing to somebody else. And John is writing here, and he's he's commending this man for the way he deals with people. How we treat others reflects our true values in what is really important to us. How we treat others, that really shows our true values. We can say all day long that people are important to us, but how we, how we actually respond and how we treat others, that really shows how important people are. I want to ask you this question this evening, and I want to look then this evening at three men that we find here in the Scripture. Do we see people as objects? or inconveniences? Do we see people as objects or inconveniences? Or do we see people as a unique opportunity to serve a loving God? Let me ask you this again. But when we're through this evening, I'd like for each of us to be able to answer this question honestly. Do we see people as objects or inconveniences? Or do we see them as unique opportunities to serve a loving god now i'm preaching this message this evening on purpose because there are many in our church that are hurting there's many in our church that are suffering there's many in our church that are going through things i can't get out of my mind here this evening i was at the hospital with the dissip family yesterday and tony was laying there in that bed they took him from Bowling Green, the hospital in Bowling Green, and transported him to St. Luke's because there was nothing they could do in Bowling Green. As I stood there by the bedside as his wife just sitting next to her husband, literally watching him die, watching him bleed to death. He had a sore on his neck that the radiation caused and that just got bigger and bigger and bigger till pretty much it took up his entire neck till it hit the main artery and when it hit the main artery his main artery burst and he just literally bled to death his family sat there and watched him i was there as his oldest daughter just had her head laying on the bed i mentioned to you earlier his 16-year-old son when he i said how old are you buddy he said 16 immediately i thought that's jacob's age I got to enjoy my son driving me to church tonight. Tony doesn't get that opportunity, neither does his son now. I got to sit in my home this afternoon, even with a puppy I don't like. I had dinner with my entire family. There's families that couldn't do that this afternoon. There's people that are hurting all around us. Paul, or John, is writing to commend Gaius. You see, Gaius lived a life where his life wasn't about him. His life was about others. I want to look at three men in this letter. Short book. I uh, don't aim to be long. But I say that each time I am long. But I want to look at three men. In a church, I want us to ask ourselves when we're finished with this chapter, which one are you? Which one are you? There's a man by the name of Gaius. He is the one that this book is written to. We find him in verse number one. We find where Gaius is mentioned, and he says this, whom I love. Gaius, the one the book is written to. I want you to see with me in verse number nine. He said, I wrote unto the church. But Diotrephes, who love to have the preeminence among them, received us not. We find the second man, Diotrephes. This is the one that is warned about. We find that one is written to. We find a man that is warned about. And then we find, we find in verse number 12, Demetrius. The Bible says Demetrius hath had good report of all men. And we find that Demetrius is the one that is an example to us. And so we find three men. We're going to look at these three men. We find the one that was written to. We find the one that we're warned about. And we find the one that is there as an example. I think you can find these three men in probably any church today. You can look and you can find these three men. I hope, I hope there's more, I hope there's more gaiuses than there are, than there are the But I, I know this in every church, you could find probably these three. Let's look at these here this evening. And as we're looking at these, let's honestly evaluate our lives and ask ourselves, where do I fall? First, we find this man named Gaius. Gaius was given to hospitality. He was given to encouragement of the brethren. Gaius, I believe, would wake up each day, and I'd probably be the type of person that would say, God, I want to be an encouragement to somebody today. God, I want to help somebody today. God, would you lead someone to my path that has needs? Would you lead someone to my path that I can be a blessing to? I've got resources that you've given me, Lord. I've been blessed by your hand, and I want you to use me today so that I could show hospitality and love to the brethren. And not just the brethren, but to strangers also. Not just the people he knew, but God, send people across my path that I don't even know with the intent to be a blessing. Blessing. This is Gaius. He's giving of himself. Gaius is one that's giving of his time. He's given up his finances. He's doing this so that the work of the Lord can go forward. This is a Gaius. This is a man that says, I want the church to move forward. And I know this, in order for the church to move forward, in order for Christianity to move forward, then I must be someone that's willing to give up of my expenses. I'm willing to give up of everything about me. I want to live my life in such a way to where somebody's going to receive a blessing today because God allowed me to be a blessing to them. Are you a Gaius? I want you to see in verse number three, Gaius had a testimony of truth. This is someone here, Paul uh, John says this, for I have rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that was in thee. He had a testimony of truth. Everything he did came from a pure heart. We saw this this morning as we looked at at how Christians ought to behave, how they ought to speak. Everything he did was purely so he could benefit somebody else that was involved in the work of the Lord. Now, could you imagine church if church was full of gaiuses could you imagine a Sunday morning when people came in on Sunday morning? They were on purpose looking to be a blessing to somebody. I don't want to embarrass Tim Lore here today and his wife, but I'm going to do it this evening. Tim's hurting. I walked up to Tim this morning and I saw him in the first service, and I could tell, I could tell just the look on his face, he was hurting. Normally he smiles and amends me while I'm preaching. I looked over this morning several times and I saw hurt. I walked up to Tim after church, the first service, and I said, how you doing? I knew if he would have told me okay, I would have said you're lying. Because it was all over his face. He's not doing well. Tim just buried his father. He's going through all those emotions and all that grief and all that hurt and, and going through, and those that have gone through that type of, of uh, uh, pain, you understand what he's going through. It's hard to think. It's hard to pick up your Bible and, 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 and get something. It's hard to look at problems and figure them out. It's hard to go to work. It's hard to live your life because you're hurting. It's hard. You know what families like the Lord's need? A gaius. Someone that came to the house of God for one reason, and that was to be an encouragement to somebody. That's for somebody to come to, to find a testimony. Now, not, not looking to serve so they get something back, not looking to see what he has to offer them, but looking with a testimony of truth, simply living a life, pleasing the Lord, trying to be a, a, a help to somebody. There was a lady that was here this morning I didn't know of, but she told someone else here that the, was here this morning. She said that she came this morning because she drove by and she saw the grief share sign at her church. Well, she just so happened to tell the same person that just that came to church for the very same reason. You remember Bob? Oh, well, it's been over a year now. He came to church and saw the grief share sign out front. He pulled his truck around and went into the office and said, I'm hurting, and I saw your grief share sign. I need help. I'll never forget the day, that that December morning when Bob walked down this aisle on a, on a Sunday morning and he kneeled down right there and Brother Steck took a Bible and opened that Bible and shared with Bob how to be saved and Bob gloriously trusted Christ as his Savior. He came to the house of God looking for help and you know what he found? He found a Gaius that said, I'm willing to help. I didn't know this about Bob, but there's a bunch of men that get together on Friday mornings and you know what they did? They said, Bob, why don't you join us? Why don't you join us for breakfast? That's what kept him going. That's what kept him encouraged. That's what kept him motivated. That's what kept him learning because there were gayists that said, I want to be a help to you. I want to be a blessing to you. I want you to come and I want to show you hospitality. You're hurting and I want to minister to you. That's what a gayist does. They're testimonies of truth. I want you to see in verse number five as well. Verse number five, we find John says, Beloved, thou dost faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers. You know what I find as well? There's faithful service to others in Agaius. They're willing to help. You can count on them. Don't you praise the Lord for Christians that you can count on? People that you know, they're there when you need them. People that you know when you say, I need your prayer, they say, I'm going to pray for you. You know they're praying for you. That's a Gaius. Gaius is one that his service, faithful to others. Gaius is the one, verse number six, the Bible says, which have borne witnesses of the charity before the church, his testimony of love. You know why he ministers to others? Because he truly wants to show love or charity. We find in verse number six through eight, he's seeking to meet the other people's needs. You know what Gaius is? Very unselfish. Very unselfish. He's looking to meet a need in somebody that has need. Are you a Gaius this evening? There's another man in the Bible here. We find in verse number nine, Paul commends Gaius. He says, there's another man in the church. I wrote, unto, I wrote unto the church, but the atrophies who loved to have the preeminence among them received us not. Wherefore, if I come, I remember his deeds which he doeth, parting against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, or forbidden them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. He says there is a man named Gaius, that is one given to hospitality, and there's a man named Diotrephes. and that man, that man, it's all about him. It's all about him. You know, when he comes to the house of God, it's all got to be his way. When he comes to the house of God, You've got to serve him. You see, this man Diotrephes—he was about himself, not about others. He was about what is in it for him, not what he can do for somebody else. What's in it for me? Church has to be run past him. If there was something that's going to happen at church, it has to run past him. If there is going to be something that goes on at the house of God, it has to get his approval. And God forbid it didn't get his approval because if it doesn't, he's not okay with it. And then he even resists those that are okay with it. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of maybe somebody that is sitting around talking to other people what they don't like. That's this type of man. See, there's hurting people all around, but instead of ministering to someone else, he is saying, I want it to be about me. No care if somebody else is hurting. No care if somebody else is in need. No care that there's those that are suffering. Because it's not about meeting the need of someone else, it's about having everything my way. So when I leave, I'm satisfied. You know what John says? But he's not content. He's not content. Listen to me, there are two, three types of people that we find here in the book of John. One, one is always evaluating. Making sure that I'm comfortable. You know, there were some that came to church today and they left with a complaint. You say, who are they? I don't know. But I know they're there there are some that came today while, while the, the lures are hurting and the dipsops are hurting and the corbits are hurting and, and the tebbies are hurting and, and, and all those that are going to bury someone they love this week, there's those that are hurting and you know, what, know who ministered to them? The Gaiuses. But there's some that came in and if something wasn't done just right, the teacher they wanted wasn't teaching the staff member wasn't where he was supposed to be, if I wasn't getting the attention, you know what you're going to find? You're never going to be content. A selfish Christian is never content because you can never get enough. A selfish Christian is never content because you never get enough of you. You never get enough of what you want. Everyone's not going to cater to your wishes. And here's a man here that he was stopping the work from going forward. There's a man here that was not about Christ. He was about himself. And he was willing to stop people from coming in. He was willing to stop people from ministering to others because it didn't suit him. Who are you tonight? who are you tonight? Did you leave complaining today? Or did you leave broken hearted? Because someone has a need. Wayne Rupp, given six months to live. I don't know if you know Wayne well, but Wayne is probably more concerned about his wife right now than he is about himself. His wife is battling some, some, some loss of memory and doesn't always, isn't always aware of what's going on. And sometimes if you sit with her, you'll find that she'll repeat the story over and over and over again. And Wayne will just kind of tap his wife on the leg and say, we've already talked about that. She's not one that's going to be able to care for herself. She's going to have to have someone help her and make decisions for her. And Wayne has just received the news that he has got six months to live. You know what Wayne needs? He needs a Gaius. He needs somebody that's going to say, "I'm going to give myself. I'm going to give myself." So, I can minister to you. I don't like to embarrass certain families, so I'll just point to them over here. I won't say their name. She's wearing a yellow shirt. He's wearing a black shirt, I think that is. He's got a haircut that just kind of goes right here, (laughs) he's got glasses. They've had great hurt in their life. They know what it's like right now, what the disciples are going through. What an awesome testimony. They're not willing to close up, to make life about me, I've already had widows that have called. I've already had some of our deacons that have said to me, Boy, these widows are excited because he's got a hammer and he's got a ladder and he's got a lawnmower and he can change a a a a bulb that they can't reach and he can put a cupboard back on that fell off, or he can fix something that that something that that uh, uh is going wrong in their house. He can help them in areas and in and they're willing to be a gayest to somebody, even though they're hurting themselves. There's a diatrophies. They get upset when somebody has joy in serving. Unless you're serving them. Negative toward authority in the church. Negative in receiving the brethren. Not only in receiving the brother, they forbid that they would even help someone. They get mad at those that are willing to help. Do you know, we have, had, we have had a lot of families, a lot of families visiting our church. One came today, my wife, she works down in the nursery to check in the second service on purpose because she wants to meet all the young families that come in and out. She met a family today, they lost their blanket. I mean, they had a little 9-month-old girl. Could you imagine coming to church and losing your blanket? I mean, that could make for a bad week. You know? How many you know what I'm talking about? Some of you can't sleep without your blankie, right? And your pillow. You take it on vacation with you. You cuddle with it. How do you know that? Because your spouse has put it on Facebook. We saw you with it. They lost their blankie. Boy, my wife, she was frantic, and some others wanting to find that blankie. Someone found it, they dropped it in the parking lot. Somebody picked it up and put it on somebody else's car just to keep it dry. They brought it into church. When they brought it in the lobby after church, there were several ladies that said, There's the blankie! They had only been here a couple weeks. My wife said, I was encouraged because as they were leaving today, when they didn't have their blankie, my wife said, we're going to find it. I promise you, we're going to find that blankie and, and get it to you. And she says, no worries, I'll just pick it up next week. That was encouraging. That means they're coming back for week number three. I want you to see this third man in verse number 12, Demetrius. Demetrius hath good report of all men. Demetrius has a good report of all men. Do you think the Bible was wrong when he put when John put all there? No. Demetrius is a servant. Demetrius is always looking to serve. Now, he and Deus, maybe they have a lot of things in common, but John specifically said, This man, this man has a good report of all men and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. You know what Demetrius is? He's a helper in the church. He sees a need and he gets it done. I like that old saying need seen. You know the rest of that? Assignment given. Need, see, assignment given. It simply means this. If you see a need, you got the assignment. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if everyone was a Demetrius, they come into the house of God and they say, you know what, there's a need there. I'm going to just get it done. Boy, there's Demetriuses in this church. There are things that happen every single week, every day of the week, all day Sunday, on Wednesdays, things that happen that I'll never know about because someone sees something and they just simply get it done. Demetrius. Needs seen. he's a helper. He, he, he's one to involve others. You know, nobody in the church ought to be doing something alone. They ought to be bringing someone alongside of them, teaching and instructing them how to do it. That's why I get so excited when I see young people serving the Lord. Some people get all gnarled up, upset. What's that 16-year-old doing up there singing? Man, I see somebody that wants to serve the Lord. Involve them in the house of God. Listen, churches are closing up all over America. I don't want that to happen to ours. I want the generation coming up, somebody to take alongside of them and put their arm around them and encourage them and and help them and and help them to be what God wants them to be. My son is looking at his future and he's really serious about it right now. Matter of fact, he was at St. Luke's Hospital shadowing Friday evening. Friday evening, he he's, uh, uh, tells, uh, leading up to Friday, he says to his mom, I, I called and, and they're going to let me come and shadow a half dozen times or so at the hospital. And, and uh, uh, so she asked him what time it was. And, and he said, Mom, I wanted you to remind you this was Friday. Remi- remember, I, I've got to be at the hospital at 6 45. And, um, and I said, What time have you got to be picked up? He said, One o'clock. I said, Like the next day, one o'clock, afternoon? He said, no, Dad, 1 o'clock in the morning. And I said, but you're not, you're not driving yet, son. I'm not sure how you're going to get home. You don't have your license. You just got a permit. You've got to have one of us with you. And one of us are in bed. Matter of fact, both of us are in bed. You better call a taxi. But he was there and... Tony had come in, and in Tony's his uh, uh, his button where they were feeding him, his feeding tube uh, came loose, and they fixed it there. And and um, so he walked in that emergency room uh, area, and and uh, he saw Tony, and he didn't know who Tony was, and Tony didn't know who he was, and and so Tony said to him, he said, "Um, uh, "Where do you go to school?" He said, "Monclova Monclova Christian Academy." He said, "My parents go to church there." He said, "What's your name?" He said, Jacob Rands." He said, I know your dad. Your dad's the pastor. He said, yeah. They fixed him up and they sent him home. My son texts me while I was in bed. Remember, dad, you're going to come get me at one. And guess what? I saw Tony Diss up in the hospital. The very next day, within 24 hours, I called Jacob into my room. I said, hey, bud, remember Tony you saw in the hospital? He said, yeah. I said, he's back in St. Luke's. and He just passed away, son. Just passed away. Before he passed away, there while he was getting that area fixed on his stomach. He took the time to encourage a 16-year-old boy. Tony's got a hole in his neck from the radiation. hasn't eaten anything. But he found out it was my son and he took some time there in the emergency room while he's in pain to encourage a 16-year-old boy continue to do right. As far as I know, nobody here is on their deathbed. We have a whole bunch of 16, 17, 18. We might even have a 19-year-old in our high school, I don't know, that need somebody to encourage them. They need someone to walk alongside them like a deatrophist and encourage them to keep serving the Lord. Have a good report of all men. I was encouraged today. I have, probably just like most, if not all of you, been praying and saying, God, we need someone on staff to lead us in our music. That's been a prayer. But you know, this morning, I sat right here. I saw Joe Ball playing a guitar, and I saw Steve Gagne singing. That was the first time I ever saw him play and him sing together. How many of you saw that this morning? And I thought to myself, you know, God, if it took us not having a leader in that area to cause people in our church to step up, then you take as long as you want. Because what it produces are people in our church that are willing to serve the Shaws. She plays the piano. He sings. Did you see this couple? I, we hired him for school. I didn't know they could sing. Look at little Elvis Presley voice he's got there. You hear that? A little twang. You know, sometimes God puts a church through to see what we're really made of. And there's three types of people. Demetrius, who says, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to do whatever I can to help, to minister, to step up. Gaius, who says, you know what, I'm going to open my home, I'm going to open up my finances, I'm going to give. I'm going to encourage. I don't care if I know him, I don't care if I don't know him, I'm going to help him. And then there's a diatrophies. Critical. Always upset. Hindering others from even serving. Life's about them. What are you tonight? Did you come tonight to minister to or to get ministered to? You know what we'd find? Most of us would get ministered to if we were willing to minister to. I went to the hospital to be a blessing to Dick this up. Thought I'd be an encouragement. Walk in the room. You know, the preacher is there. He's here to encourage. Dick puts his arm around me. He encourages me. sat next to his wife who's red-faced in tears knowing that they're just waiting for them to come in and say Tony's gone I sat next to her and I put my arm around her and I said is there anything I can do and she took my hand and put one of hers under it and one of it one of hers over it and she says is there anything I can do for you Sometimes you get the greatest blessing when you're a blessing to someone else. What type of church do we want to be? What type of church do you want to be? Our church will be what you and I are. We want to be a church where people are friendly, are welcomed. That's what we need to be. I say this to you often. I'm finished with this. I think one of the greatest things you can do for a guest is sing. Talk to a girl that's been coming to church. She's been coming on her own and had a conversation and she had kind of told me the story of her life and a pretty hurtful story. A lot of pain. Not the best of upbringing, and not the best choices with men. She's just coming to church. She needs someone to be truthful with her and be a blessing. We ought to be a church where nobody sits alone. I don't know that person. Get to know them. We ought to be a church where nobody goes without a smile and a handshake. We ought to be a church when people come in, they say, What is so different about that place? Boy, they sing like they really know Jesus. They worship like it's real. They have this smile on their face, and there's just something about that place. Matter of fact, I think Jesus is there. How many of you want a church where the testimony is, I think Jesus is there? Then you have to decide to be the Christian that shows Jesus. I wonder how many tonight would say, I want to be a Gaius.